we began our series from the book of Genesis, chapter 4 and verse 9, where the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? After he had killed him, as you remember. And Cain responded, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Of course, uh, living in complete denial uh, and lying, he tried to get himself off the hook, get himself off the responsibility of taking care of his brother. And we have uh, looked at that very closely the last couple uh, Sunday nights. And tonight I want to uh, shift our focus just a little bit. It's on the same subject, but from a little bit of a different perspective because it's kind of a continuation uh, in a way, from this morning's service, this morning's message we preached this morning, are you blessed or are you offended? And uh, if you missed that, you need to go back and listen to it. It is available both in video and audio now on the church website. Uh, but this morning we address those who are offended. But tonight I want to address those who offend because there is... Always two sides to every coin. Amen. And before we come down too hard on those that get offended and how they shouldn't get so easily offended, we should also be cautious and careful that we do not offend others. Amen. We can't bear put all of the responsibility on others not to get offended when we are being offensive. Amen. Uh, so we need to do our part not to offend, and we need to encourage others to have some tough skin all at the same time, right? And so let's look at that tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, my text verse will be uh, verse number 13, and then we'll start back at the beginning of the chapter. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend or to get tripped up, I will Eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Pretty powerful statement. Uh, Father, help me now to teach your word in such a way that it would be practical and powerful for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Of course, in context, the church of Corinth uh, let me rephrase that, the apostles. Paul the apostle called to the Gentiles and of course leading the charge uh, with taking the gospel to the Gentiles is uh, crossing all kinds of cultural barriers and now he is finding himself uh, eating meals with those that are eating meat that they offer unto idols and so the discussion then is, should the Christians participate in such occasions? Uh, if, uh, if the heathen were to invite you over for a meal and you know that they have offered that meat to idols, should you or should you not part even participate in that process? That's the cultural battle that's going on, and I may have oversimplified that a little bit, but that's the gist of it. Uh, and what I want you to know, with me tonight is not so much the specifics of this cultural issue but the broader picture and how it can be applicable into any scenario uh brother paul here then begins to teach and answer the question beginning in verse one now as touching things offered unto idols 
he says, we know, we know, talking to the Christians, we know that we all have knowledge. We know that we all have, what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about the knowledge of the truth. Uh, Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. What does Paul say in verse 1? He's saying people truly don't care how much you know, but they care deeply how much you actually care. That's what he's essentially saying. Knowledge puffs up. In other words, he's talking about these brothers in Christ who have the knowledge of the truth that just because they sit down and eat meat with somebody who has offered that meat to idols doesn't mean that he is participating with that offering of that meat up to the idol or even agrees with it. It, But even though he has that knowledge, what's more important than him exercising his liberty is having charity towards his weaker brothers in Christ. Loving them to the point that if what I'm fi- the liberty that I'm fixing to participate in is going to trip up a weaker brother or sister in Christ, then I need to back off because what's more important is to conserve and preserve and cultivate the kingdom relationships that God has put in my life for the furtherance of his kingdom and not just to push my liberties on everybody. Okay? All right? So people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And even though, and you know, in that just the way it is in church, and, and this is, by the way, going to be a verse-by-verse uh, study tonight, and I don't know how, much, how far down the chapter we're going to get, but isn't it interesting uh, how often we push what we know more than we push reconciliation? Have you ever gotten in an argument with somebody and you just knew you was right? And you went for a long time without talking. Tension in the relationship. Because you didn't see no point in talking. They ain't listening to you anyway. And you're right and they're wrong. So if they want to be wrong, let them be wrong, right? And that's kind of the attitude that we can develop. Uh, On that note, let me say this. We We offend others in the body of Christ, I believe, mostly... When we insist that we are right rather than assisting others to grow in righteousness. If you're so right, then how come you can't lead them from where they are to where you are? If you're so right, if it's that obvious that you're that right, how come it is that you don't have enough patience to carefully and gently figure out why they're wrong and how they how you can get them to come to the same understanding that you have or is your being right so important to you that you don't care whether or not they have the understanding you see what i'm saying and that's what we got to ask ourselves you know uh, a lot of times there are disagreements in the body of christ uh you know, diff- uh, disagreements on this that the other and sometimes divisions come up in the body of christ and then the next thing you know we're just trying to prove that we're right rather than winning a brother or a sister in Christ. Amen. Uh, And you can be both right and influential. You know, uh, a lot of times it's just your attitude that makes the difference. You know, Uh, if you're arrogant about being right, then you're wrong. Even if you are right. 
I want to say that again. If, if you're arrogant about being right, then you're wrong, even if you are right. That's, that's what he's saying. Knowledge puffeth up. So now all of a sudden now we got all this knowledge and we may be right on something, but now we all puffed up about it and act like we're smarter than everybody and they're a bunch of idiots. And y'all should just shut up and listen to me because I know more than you. Right? Uh, and, and I know that may be a little bit extreme uh, for some people, but sometimes uh, we need to caution ourselves not to allow that kind of an attitude to surface in our hearts and our reactions to other people. Amen? And so he's talking about uh, he's talking about knowledge versus charity, right? Look at verse two. If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet, as he ought to know. In other words, if you are in a place where you know it all, then you truly know nothing yet. And that's something. <laughs> so Paul is dealing with uh, apparently some stubborn attitudes right uh let me say this knowledge that leads to arrogance equals stupidity knowledge that leads to arrogance equals stupidity because what good is knowledge if it can't be received by someone who's arrogant if uh if god were to inform you some great truth and profound truth that changes your life forever it wasn't just meant for you but it was also meant to have an impact on others then wouldn't it go without saying that you need to be careful how you approach others with that truth to ensure that it has every chance of being received in sincerity and a lot of times our attitude is the thing that makes the difference between whether or not they're willing to hear us or reject what we're saying just on how we carry ourselves you know what i'm saying uh and so we want to be sure that we're not offensive um speaking the truth is going to be automatically offensive to some people regardless of how you deliver it regardless of what tone you deliver it in regardless of what set of words you use to get to saying what needs to be said right so what is the best uh what is the best way to present truth clearly and ensure that the person receiving the truth knows that it comes from a heart of love? Well, it would be when you don't come down in a condescending attitude, but it would be when you are already there in their life proving to them that you're in their corner that you love them that you're praying for them that you care for them right and uh, a lot of times I think we get hasty with our words and we drag our feet with our actions and uh, could it be that sometimes it would it would be better for us to pave the road to delivering truth with actions that speak louder than words in other words show them you care and then tell them why you know and that's what the church often does don't we we uh we try to meet people at their point of need let them know we're doing it in the name of the lord and that we truly do care for them once you earn their trust then guess what you've also have audience with them they will listen to you after they know 
that you care. So being offensive has less to do with what you say and more to do with how you say it, you know. Uh, so we want to be sure that not only do we not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When we're approaching the lost or the, or the weaker brother, the saved, those, those that need uh, discipleship, regardless of who we're appro- approaching, that we don't offend them unnecessarily. And sometimes it don't matter how, you, how uh, careful you are, some people are still going to be offended. And in those cases, God's not going to hold you responsible for truth that he sent to offend because Jesus said he come that offenses might abound did he not I mean it's the truth is truth is going to ruffle some feathers no matter what but it don't need to happen because we are not careful if we're careful and it still happens pray for him be there for him anyway be patient with him love him and let God deal with it right and so uh he said, verse 3, but if any man love God, the same is known of him. And here's my note on that. It is better to focus not on what you know, but who you know. Amen? And if he knows you. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it just goes without saying, if any man love God, the same is known of him. So let's focus on loving God instead of just trying to show off our great wealth of knowledge that we have accumulated and that we assume everybody wants to know, right? (laughs) Let's go on, verse 4. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. He's talking about what the Christians know. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom all, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. And so he's establishing the fact that the Christian's point of reference is different than the world's point of reference. We have a different understanding because we are privy to the truth right so but look at verse number seven how be it there is not in every man that knowledge for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled that's because their perspective is different than ours but meat commendeth us not to God for neither if we eat are we the better neither if we eat not are we the worse in other words uh, that that literal morsel of meat has no bearing on your eternal state with God Almighty and we know that but the weaker brothers or the heathen they don't know that and that's the reason it's a sin to them because that's the way they're appropriating it in their belief system and because their belief system is wrong, they need to be brought around to the truth. Am I making any sense so far? And I'm heading somewhere with this. Uh, verse 9, But take heed lest by any means this liberty, what liberty? The liberty of you being able to sit down and eat that meat regardless of what they offer it to because that has nothing to do with your walk with God, right? 
even if you have that liberty, take heed lest that liberty become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Now, before I go any further, I know that this in context is dealing with eating meat offered to idols in the, in the church of Corinth. Uh, but is there another cultural issue that is often as divisive sometimes in our churches in today's culture? Anybody want to suggest one? Come on, help me out. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, there's a divisive cultural issue. What about more specifically in a in a fundamental Bible believing church? Abortion. Uh, what are some cultural battles within the church that we've had over the last few decades? Which version of the Bible you use? What else? Racism. Racism. Who, who? Uh-huh. There you go. Um, what about style of music? Whether women should wear pants or not? I mean, there's a long list of things that we could get hung up on. And should we or shouldn't we? You know, what does the Bible say? You know what I'm saying? Uh, my, my point is this. Everybody has a different level of understanding whether it is right or not. What we should all seek to do is gain the knowledge of Scripture and understand what God said about it, make that our stance. But if they're not where we're at, we are not to exercise our liberty to the degree that it causes them to stumble and fall. Uh, we should, I, I don't like to use this term because it sounds carnal, but that's not what I mean by it, but we should be big enough uh, to humble ourselves. In other words, look, I'll meet you where you're at. If you can't arrive to my conclusion, I will come alongside you. I'm not going to step on you to elevate myself and ignore your take on it and make fun of you and criticize you because you're not as smart as me or you're not as spiritual as me. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go at the pace of my weakest brother until the Lord shows him more and then we can walk together in agreement rather than the camp dividing and splitting in a thousand different directions. And we can't get nothing done together because everybody has their own song. Everybody has their own hymn. Everybody has their own this. Everybody has, everybody has their own poet. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has their, their flag. They're going to fly, right? And the kingdom of God is so much bigger than most of the stuff that we argue over. The kingdom of God is so much bigger than all of that. And so let's be careful that we are more concerned with the spiritual growth and development and progress 
of our brothers and sisters than we are just making our points. Because when we focus on making our point, then we lose a brother or sister. We may lose them as a church member. We may lose them as a friend. But divided we fall, right? And so we've got to be able, even at personal expense of preference, say, you know what? Your friendship is worth more to me than me having my way. I'm willing to work with you if you're willing to work with me. See what I'm saying? And I'm not talking about to the point of blatant and obvious scriptural compromise. I'm talking about issues uh, that are just not, they're, they're, they're not black or white per se in the Bible, but they're areas where it's a matter of, uh, of a difference of perspective that can be reconciled with some patience and love and concern. Right? Now, there are some things that will be obvious that we will have to stand on graciously but firmly, and it's going to offend some people. We're going to have to do that. But I think there's a lot of things that offend our brothers and sisters in Christ that unnecessarily do so because of the way we handle things. And uh, so my focus tonight is to, uh, to be a good brother's keeper. We've got to protect the friendship over the personal vendetta. Does that make sense? And, and it's truly worth more to save a brother and lose an argument, amen, than lose a brother and win an argument. Especially if it's a non-issue when it, as it relates to bigger things. So th this, is, this is really a big school of thought, and it could go a thousand different directions, but I hope you're getting the, the main point that I want to make tonight. Um, so we don't want to become stumbling blocks. Verse 10, for if any man see thee which hath knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols. If you look up the word weak there, that's what it means. It means weak, a weaker brother, maybe one who is susceptible to temptation because he's not spiritually strong enough to handle that kind of uh, spiritually hostile environment. So here's what I see in verse 10. So here's a Christian sitting at meat that's offered to idols. Here's another Christian that, hey, wait a minute, I heard a preacher say that was wrong, so why is that brother there doing that? And because he, as an amateur, as a weak brother in Christ, through his own observation, uh, and because he uh, has misguided assumptions about the other brother's intentions, then he also has misguided actions. He says, well, if he can do that, I can do it. And so the weaker brother goes over there to partake meat to idols, not because he's trying to win somebody to Christ, but because he don't see anything wrong with eating meat offered to idols now. See what I'm saying? And that's what Paul is saying. Look, if, if y'all if don't have some conversations and reconcile your differences of understanding, you want to be misleading people unintentionally by your own actions. So uh, we don't need to get to the point in our Christian walk where we don't care whether or not we owe our brothers and sisters an explanation. Now, I know sometimes I get in a big way of preaching. A lot of times I'll say, I don't care what you think. I want to do what God told me to do. And to an extent, that's true, but not to the extent that it offends you. 
if you need an explanation, I ought to be willing to give one. Amen? If, if I've done something that concerns you, then I've, I need to be willing to sit down and have a heart-to-heart, heartfelt conversation to help you understand where I'm coming from so that you know that I'm not just doing something stupid and vice versa, right? And so we need to be willing to have those tough conversations in a spirit of meekness, in a spirit of seeking reconciliation and understanding, not in a spirit of driving our point home and offending our brother. And sometimes you're going to try to uh, explain yourself to others and they're not going to be willing to hear you out. And in those cases, there's not really much you can do about that other than pray about it. Amen? Uh, so, you know, obviously there'll be some variable scenarios that pop up as we navigate through these waters. And there's no way that you can cover all of those variables other than to say, follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Have a willing heart. Love your brothers and sisters. Amen. If you see somebody doing something in a church and they're up in the choir singing and shouting on Sunday, but they're out there doing something that you think a Christian ought not to be doing, right? Uh, first of all, if you think they're doing wrong, you certainly don't want to say to yourself, well, if they can do it, then I can do it, right? But that's what a weaker brother does. The second thing is you don't want to go just blabbing and telling everybody what they're doing because you may not even know the whole story. You might just, how about we just have a conversation about it, right? Just go to them in private and talk to them about it and say, this is what I saw you do or is this what I thought I saw you do? Uh, and my conviction is that we're not supposed to be doing that. Can you explain to me what's going on? I love you. I, I'm, I care for you. I'm praying for you. But I need an explanation because this is really tripping me up, right? And I think a lot of the church problems that we have would cease to exist if we would just open up and talk to one another, have some honest conversations about it, you know? But when we, uh, when we insist that we're so right that there's no need in having a conversation, then who's the sinner in that picture? We should all be willing to sit down and hear each other out, right? So that we don't offend one another, so that we don't cause each other to trip up, so that we don't cause each other to stumble and lose progress in the momentum that God is trying to build up within the body of Christ called the church. So in verse 10, we see that the amateur's observations coupled with his misguided assumptions lead to misguided actions because he is weak. His spiritual immunity has not yet been built up by an adequate knowledge and understanding of God's word, and so we should be careful how we act around them. Careful what you say around them. And uh, isn't that true about how we act around our kids and grandkids? Right? Be careful what you say. You've got little eyes watching and little ears listening. And soon you'll have actors <laughs> doing exactly what you were doing. Amen. So look at verse 11. For, and through thy knowledge... You might say, through thy liberty shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. 
Here's my note on that. When the weak don't understand, they make premature assumptions and can get tripped up by your actions and my actions, even if they are justifiable in our minds. So we are to walk at the pace of the weaker brother, not to stagnate, but to make progress together. I don't think God wants you to stop growing because somebody else is hung up on your growth. But he also don't want you to blow him out of the water either and just leave him in the dust. Right? Walk alongside him. Help him understand. Help him get there. And you never know but what they may give you a perspective that you needed to hear and that you needed to see. Right? Amen. So your liberty when preferred over the spiritual growth and development of the weak brother becomes sin to you. The act itself may not be sinful, but the results of that act upon one who gets tripped up is sinful. Pretty powerful truth. So that leads us back to verse 13. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. And uh, I heard somebody quote that one time, misquote it, and said, I will eat no flesh as long as I'm around my brother. That's not what it said. He said, as long as the world standeth, my liberty in that respect is not near as important as my brother's spiritual health and well-being right and this is a lot of times over really non-issues i call them things that really ain't that big a deal now if we're talking about how you get saved salvation by grace through faith in the lord jesus christ not a works let's any measure boast there's some things that you cannot give any ground on whatsoever right but even then you've got to be do it so in gently and love and concern in a spirit of meekness, right? And so uh, my closing verse is 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6. No, verse 16, where the Bible said, As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. And I've seen this happen and play out, and I've probably been guilty of it myself. And what I would like to think was my more immature days, I hope that I'm, I know better now. But to get up and the huff and the puff and my liberties and my understanding and my knowledge and how you're wrong and I'm right. And in all respect with the audience that God sent me to win over because my attitude was wrong, right? And so if my liberty is done with a cloak of maliciousness, that is, uh, now that i figured out how wrong you are and how right I am, I, let me tell you about it, <laughs> right? Uh, well, now I have turned what was a good thing into a sinful thing by my own attitude, and I'm no different uh, I'm no different than the one I claim to be better than, right? 
my brother Jimmy Caudle and I were talking yesterday about some things. And uh, I made a, a quote to him, and he ended up posting about it on Facebook. Uh, and I really liked the way he worded it, so I'm going to read it to you. Jimmy said, you must not become who you claim to resent. I am recovering from a lot of things, but people are people prone to wonder. You shouldn't focus on other people so much that resentment sets in. Resentment by default can cause a reenactment disguised in another form. So in other words, when you get to the point to where somebody wronged you or they're wrong and you're right, and then you go on this rampage to prove that they were wrong and you're right, well, all of a sudden now you've offended somebody that you could have won if you were so right. But you chose rather to use your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness and rub it in because you had a point to prove, but you didn't have a brother to win. God help us to focus on winning our brother and not just driving our point home, right? So, Lord, help us to be our brother's keeper. Boy, that's some deep water to tread through right there. Lord, help us to be faithful.